3: Warm and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to Rah. join me as always, Xavier Guerrero, and on ones and two, Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. Hi guys, how are you? We're superb, guys. We got a great show for you, and things have been fire on this show so we appreciate you guys you guys without you guys we'd just be talking to ourselves so we love you very much and i just wanted you guys to know that we always take it very serious The show in terms of the gas and we work really hard so we love you and we appreciate you we're still in the top 100 of comedy podcasts uh in one of the most competitive uh categories on in podcasting so thank you for that Uh, And we're always constantly trying to figure out how to make the show better. So we appreciate your patience. We're still growing. To be 600-some episodes in and still resonating with people is such a blessing uh if you everything sam Tripoli, just go if you need anything for the show just go to sam get on the email list because they're constantly this social credit score thing with paypal and all that it's coming they're coming for us we have to stay connected go to tripley.com you'll get on all of the uh uh, on my email list i'm gonna start emailing out If you want to see me live, you can go to uh, samtripley.com, hit events. Uh, I have a comedy chaos that's fire on the night. I'm going to be, excuse me, before that, I'm in Skank Fest this weekend. And then the next week, I have a comedy chaos that's pure fire. Burt Kreischer, uh, Craig Robinson, nice. Moamar, uh, Nikki Glazer, Jessamay Peluso, and the list goes on. So it's going to be a fire lineup. Uh, and then, yeah, then in November, I'm in Kansas City at the club. Where are you going to be?
0: Uh, I got a show October 12th. Yes, October 12th in Monte. This Wednesday, pull up. I got some VIP tickets, and uh, they have some. Fucking Tim hat merch. Damn! Look at
3: this guy selling <laughs> merch over there. Hey, what is your um? What's your social media? Uh,
0: XG marks
2: the spot. Head over there. Okay, Johnny. Uh, Johnny Woodard on Twitter. Johnny A Woodard on Instagram.
3: Uh, I'm at Sam Tripoli on Instagram or a Tripoli uh, official. Tripoli or Tripoli official? I'm not sure what it is. And then the same thing for Twitter. So go check that out. All right, joining us. Very excited to have him on. He's part of the Tim Fall Hat family. He is a uh, our booker. And occasionally I scream at him <laughs> about the show. And he's great. I'm very excited to have him on. He has a podcast called It's My Family, Thinks I'm Crazy. Please welcome. Mark Steves, how are you, buddy?
1: Yo, what's up? Glad to be back here on the show.
3: Uh, Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you for doing a great job on the bookings. You don't just book this, you book all of my shows, which is a full time, uh, job. And I appreciate you for doing that. Thank you. Uh, Mark, for those who may not be familiar with you and your many appearances on the show, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where they can find you?
1: Yeah. My family thinks I'm crazy. Dot com is the place to go. Uh, I haven't been kicked off YouTube yet, so you can find me there. But I'm trying to convert my YouTube audience to Rockfin and to podcast apps because this is the last bastion of free speech. So, uh, so yeah, just uh, my family thinks i And then, of course, altmediaunited.com is the podcast cooperative that I founded. Uh, it's free. And if you're listening and you have a podcast, get in touch with me. I'll make a page. For your podcast on our site and help you get around those censoring algorithms, put you in touch with like-minded individuals. But uh, yeah, this is an interesting journey and it's an interesting show. Two years ago, I was on the show talking about Alistair Crowley and uh getting screamed at (laughs) yep yep and today I plan on talking about something that's a little more personal and close to home in a way and I'll, I'll keep it really brief but my journey basically started you know 10 or 12 years ago with this information uh sort of being an average student I went into a community college in New Haven and quickly found myself in what seemed like an occult or esoteric city, you know? And uh, I saw so many symbols and signs of things that I had seen on YouTube and heard about, read about in books, and I just became fascinated. And around that time, while I was skipping class, smoking weed in the green at uh, New Haven Center, I ran into this guy named Amos who told me a story about Geronimo. And uh, yeah, Geronimo is kind of an a interesting character, and he fits into this occult fabric, um, skull and bones, but also the larger framework of what I call, and what have other, others have called, uh, the synarchy, which is a, a government ruled by secret societies. Oh, what is that word? Synarchy. Synarchy. And it's of my belief that we are living under a synarchy and have been for well beyond the founding of this country. As a matter of fact, throughout this conversation, I hope to present some information that shows how the founding fathers and the founding fathers of the higher learning institutions like Yale university were all very a fascinated with the occult and B, uh, aware and participating in secret societies. So
3: it's, uh, it's super interesting. Uh, this is a great topic for today because I, I have this feeling and I'd love to hear everybody's opinion on it, that we are in one of the most interesting times ever in terms of what the elites want and what the people want. I feel like more than ever, since maybe, let's say, the Vietnam War, that you are seeing a real schism between the elites' push for their lust for war and basically the population going, we don't want this anymore. And I don't know, do you guys get that feeling that, like, this, this push for the... So my humble opinion is this, that they... I think every election is rigged, but sometimes they have to be way more obvious than, than others... When the guy that they want isn't the favorite to win, usually Let
1: me say that Sam. It's a little more complicated than it's just rigged. I think the definition of synarchy might be a little bit complex and needs to be parsed out. So we're not suggesting that one secret society controls everything. We're s- suggesting that secret societies inherently are the operating faction behind or the operation operating model behind government. So. What you have are warring factions of secret societies. Some people have termed it uh, the War of the Foxes. But whoa,
3: I like yeah. that too. So yeah. I, I understand what you say, but real quick, I just want to say this: that Go that ahead. um. So, I, I granted, I was born in the seventies. So, and you usually don't come into understanding politics till you're. You start to understand a little bit when you're like around eight. Would you agree around that time? You start to understand there's a yeah, game. Be, like your parents are watching the news. Something bigger is going on. But so I I didn't catch all the anti-war sentiment of the seven, the early 70s. Uh, Vietnam went to 75. So it was three years after I was born. And so I didn't catch it. But I really felt that the, the Vietnam War was the time with the elites go? Whoa! Everyone's getting a little too smart. They're too in touch. They're too collective. They all, they all, the the country doesn't want Vietnam. It was when and-
2: Cronkite went to Vietnam and came back and said, "Hey, this thing's toast, man." That was like the first time, really, that you'd gotten that from mainstream news, right? Know, where they, right. Uh, you know, I mean, but the- there
3: was a sentiment across the board that this was a. Bad war, like liberals were liberals, and and people were like, "I'm out. We don't want to do this yeah. anymore." Yeah, 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 totally. Burning we, a draft you know, card. of shit. war. You've heard that that the Gulf of Tonkin was a giant lie. Then we saw we've had guests on talking about the the the, the opium uh, fields of Vietnam was what it was really about, which I I agree because then we saw that happen in, in um in uh, 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 Afghanistan. So the whole point is like I, I've never in my life. Seen this giant break between uh, this this gulf between what the elites want, the military-industrial complex, and what people want. Now there are some people who they still think like Putin that's putting aggression. You're like, well, you know, NATO's on their board. Anyways, but I, this is the first time I've ever seen where it's like so obvious that the U.S. is poking the bear, trying to cause chaos. Ukraine is bombing shit left and right. And people are like waking up to it. I've never seen that before.
0: Would you say it's only here? Because uh, I've, I've been looking into like kind of Russia. In Russia, tickets are 9,000 bucks to fly out of Russia. The most searched thing is how to break your arm so you don't go to draft. Oh like, really? The, the people don't even want to go either. The thing is, like, they're, like people are trying to figure out a way to get out. Uh, forty-eight uh-huh. hours to leave the country if
2: you're trying to drive out of it. Like borders, forty-eight hours to cross. Yeah, dude, those swarms of Russians like, yeah, leaving like, Russia. They don't, of want they don't want to be yeah, but, Have you seen the videos of them kids breaking their arms and shit? Now yeah. I, I don't know how much that's real, but that's they're purportedly yeah. breaking, hurting themselves yeah. so they don't
0: get drafted. It's a, it was the most researched thing. Easiest way to break your arm. That means you don't want to go to war. Oh, like, yeah. I mean,
3: like, dude, they don't want war.
0: I mean, I get that. Nobody Do
3: you want to go to war? Dude, nobody no, does. Nobody wants yeah. war. And So, like, we all know, and Mark, will get back to this real quick, but we all know that if you studied Putin, that he was a Yeltsin puppet, and he was Yeltsin's guy, and he was getting his dick kicked in. And he decided to have that that false flag in that movie theater that got the nation behind him. So he he used some... Globalist deep state shit to change the way to manifest the Russian people to vote him in.
2: Well, also what they did to Yeltsin to get him out was just they did this whole smear campaign to make him like a drunk. Remember all that shit with him sloshing, yeah. you know vodka around. That that was, dude. I I really looking back on it now that that has that reeks. But of he did call
3: the Clintons to ask if they if if Putin was okay. So
2: that, oh no, but that I mean what I'm saying is like. The idea that he was even getting to that point was, I think, because they right, assassinated right. well, him. Well, I mean,
3: I'm sure you, so you got to sure. look at Russia. The USSR crashes. Russian people probably aren't happy. Uh, Yeltsin is seen as a puppet of the West. And they're, that assu- too, yeah. and they're assuming that Putin is, is the same thing. And then Putin's been in for a while, and I always think sometimes... The the, the the puppet thinks he's a real boy at some point. And we've seen that for a while where these puppets get in, they play ball, and then they get so much money and power, they're like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I think that could be where Putin is. I'm not saying he's not, uh, you know, world economic forums or anything like that, but there's something seems to be going on here. So mm. I think, so it's like, again, going back, long story long, is that Mark is right. There are, have been these movements. Well, oh, oh over. real quick. I just let me say this, Mark, and then I'm going to let you go. Sorry. This is why I go, sorry about this. I, I, I know this is a long rant. I'm going to get my dick kicked in. But that is why the election I felt in 2020 was completely different. Or excuse me, the year 2000 was completely different than any of these other elections that they because they really needed Cheney in the White House because they knew 9-11 was coming. That's my opinion. And this is why they jacked the last election. We could have arguments about that. I'm saying Sam Tripley's opinion. They needed Biden in to get those war hawks back
2: in there to go to war. With World War Three, I'm just imagining Joe Lieberman, you know, in, in charge on 9/11. Like none of this shit ever, you know what I mean? Like him and Gore running. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't happen. Yeah,
3: I mean uh, you don't have you don't have Cheney taking over NORAD. That
2: was that's the whole thing. Yeah, that's
0: huge, yeah. right? So it's a totally different. Even though El Gore is a puppet, he's not the same puppet. Yeah, he's for a different. So, so you're saying Trump wouldn't have gave him? You wouldn't have gave him Ukraine
2: shit?
3: I don't think. No, he was uh, trying to negotiate with them, and he was trying to work. he, he was having relations with. Putin. Yeah. Putin.
2: I don't even, I think it's possible that Putin doesn't even, like, we're not even having this thing at all, this whole engagement because Russia feels less threatened by Trump. And yeah, you know what I mean? for Just sure.
3: It, I mean, he hated, he hated the Ukraine as well. So going back that, that we're ran by secret societies is the long of this whole thing, Mark.
1: Well, you're bringing up amazing points that we will uh, hopefully touch on throughout what I am prepared to talk about. So when we're, we're bringing up the 60s and the 70s and this sort of awakening, this is really one of several great awakenings that occurred here in the United States. And I think when we interpret what's going on in, in global affairs, it's a lot easier to understand once you have a little bit of uh, background knowledge on who the players are and and what their uh, possible motivations are. It seems like the six days work is the secret society's ultimate goal at least the ones that are uh, fixated on the abrahamic religions right so we have this idea that and most people are familiar with it through you know the more extreme variations of christianity that god will come and cast his final judgment there will be a certain amount of people who will be saved and the rest of the people you know well, whatever will happen to them they'll perish, right? So this has been a consistent idea and theme throughout society since Jesus Christ's death, right? This is something that initially the Templars kind of got involved with when they went back to the Holy Land and attempted to get a lot of the riches that were stored there after they had basically created their kingdoms in Europe. So you have the Crusade, which is a whole long saga that we don't have time to get into, but all of this leads up to the founding of the United States and the saga of the colonies. Now today is indigenous people's day. It used to be known as Columbus day. Uh, I'm wearing an indigenous, uh, design right now on my shirt. My birthday is tomorrow. This Happy is birthday, very, buddy. Yeah, this is, well, thank you. This is a very important cause for me. And, uh, like I said earlier, when I met Amos, who became my brother and my mentor, he taught me about Geronimo and how his skull was stolen from his grave. His grave was desecrated at Fort Sill by Prescott Bush. And uh, Prescott Bush obviously was a, a member of Skull and Bones. And this, this was an enigma. I could not figure out why would they want his skull? What are, what are they doing with it? So I've spent the last, you know, 10 or so years trying to figure it out and learning about all this stuff really consistently over the past year or so, thanks to you, Sam, and uh, the freedom I have to (laughs) research this stuff with a crazy job like this. So anyways, Geronimo was sort of a legend here in the United States. And before we get into the secret societies and all that and and the six-day war or six-day work... We have to understand that uh the Native Americans our idea of them has been propagandized over and over in many different cycles, so it's a very complicated history, but you know one only needs to look at Teotihuacan in Mexico or you know the great <laughs> mounds of the Mississippian culture in the Ohio Valley to see that there were very advanced people here who had knowledge of what was going on in the stars. And for the colonists who settled in Massachusetts, uh, they actually wouldn't have survived without Tisquantum, who was only <laughs> their ally because he was kidnapped a few years earlier. And when he arrived uh, at his former home, he found all of his, uh, his villages abandoned. And of course, What do people say about the Indians? They all died of disease. Well, this is not so true. So Damn, here we are. We're in it. (laughs) So we have to understand, you know, the Native Americans, our idea of them has become very simplistic because the founding fathers and the elite mindset that came here into the colonies, they tried to portray them as. Uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden because they're obsessed with Francis Bacon's idea of the new Atlantis and building a perfect society where God's will would favor them, right? Because everybody was so concerned with the coming of the end of the days when God judges everyone. So, you know, they wanted to be right with God and, and we have this Protestant Reformation in Europe that really divided the church you have the church of rome then you have the church of england that comes up and they're like no we're gonna do it our way and then you have all these different schisms and splits off from those various churches so what we have here in the colonies was a lot of dissenters people who did not agree with the royal churches right whether it was rome or england uh but they also had their own idea of elitism they weren't totally uh you know, rebels and, and, you know, working people, they, they were elites themselves and they had a vision of a colony built around these Puritan ideals. And, uh, I have a few presentations. We can cycle through some slides if you guys would like. Hey guys, real quick. We
3: want to tell you about our friends at my bookie. Listen, your favorite athlete always tries to put themselves in a winning position and it's, about time you did it too with my bookie my bookie is the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sporting betting needs anytime anywhere bet on NFL major League Baseball playoffs, or just play uh, play for big sure cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournament. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, the time is now. Make your winning move today. So sign up at my bookie. Use the promo code Tinfoil Hat and claim your deposit match of any amount up to a thousand dollars. Again, that's promo code Tinfoil Hat to claim your bonus. Experience sports. In a whole new light, and make sure this season is a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my book. It's very yeah. interesting. You said something that kind of resonated with me. Is like the notion that everyone thought they just died off.
1: That mm. maybe we'll get back to that for sure. Because you know, again, when we're talking about the Native Americans, we're talking about a very, very complex series of groups of people right so i'll share my screen now and can you guys see this yes so about 44 million people lived in north and south america when columbus first discovered the new world and uh, you know these many diverse cultures had almost two thousand different languages and what we need to understand is the massachusetts bay colony when it was founded and squantum helped or aka squanto helped the pilgrims get settled. He came back to deserted villages. And like I said, maybe they were diseased. Other scholars have said, no, these people just moved over and migrated away into other areas. They saw what was coming. They had already seen several waves of colonists trying to, uh, you know, try to settle there. And what's been forgotten, what's so interesting is this long series of, uh, cultural trading between all sorts of different European cultures and the native Americans well before Columbus. So we have to assume that maybe the people who lived in the Massachusetts Bay colony had an idea of, okay, these people that are coming are not like the traders that we used to know. This is going to spell disaster for us. Let's get out of here. But again, there are several outstanding accounts that show us that, There was probably European and other continental activity here in North and South America. We're talking about African kings. We're talking about people from Asia and Muslims who came to America, possibly well before Columbus. And one really compelling example is the account of these Welsh Indians, according to legend Welsh Prince Madoc he sailed across the Atlantic in 1170, right? So while the crusades were going on and he landed on the present day site of Mobile, Alabama, Oh, and there's a whole story attached to this. And apparently they, they settled and and then the Prince was killed because he was trying to go back. And they had a series of conflicts with several different tribes. Uh, Long story short, Afterwards, some hundred years afterwards, several different explorers noted seeing Indians who had white skin and blue eyes. Sir Walter Raleigh, Daniel Boone, the French explorer Sir de la Verandere. And uh, yeah, you know, it just goes on and on. Not to mention the Welshman John Evans, who is probably looking for this evidence to establish some sort of a right to property, royal right to property here in the colonies. Because this is also a very, very big uh, big thing to understand about the colonies is that they needed to justify their actions to the king. They needed to justify the colony to have the right to be there. So all of these sort of trickery deals with the Indians, it, it's complicated. It's not so much that the, the colonists tricked the Indians, it's that they would basically do something that skull and bones kind of implemented hundreds of years later. And it's, it's funny how history repeats itself because what you guys were talking about in Russia, we might be able to, you know, garner some more information. If we look at cases like this, where the native Americans were turned against each other uh, in certain cases, they would take sides with certain factions of colonists and ultimately uh, they were not the victors. They were exploited by the colonists. But there's a lot like to said,
3: unpack here, dude.
1: There's a lot. There's don't don't a lot have to, to, to unpack here. And we don't have to get to it all. It's, well, yeah. here's
3: the whole thing. A lot of stuff that we you're you're talking about is this belief that everybody was a savage back mm. in the day. That we there is this notion that we descended from caves and we were all monkey smash monkey monkey make fire monkey make wheel and they're like do we know that do we really know that we were that primitive i'm not saying that we were we were the jetsons and we've just been made stupid but we don't know the timeline we don't know what people were doing back in the Everything day. Everything
2: they well, find pushes back the timeline too. Every new discovery. They're like, oh, wait, no, actually, people were doing X. And by then when we disc- 2000 years earlier than we thought. Right.
3: And then we discover this new thing, and we always look at it through the lens of
1: barbaric, like savages, right? so this is the result of several series of conflicts here in new england right where uh the colonists lost these series of conflicts with the native americans but because they had to justify their right to be here they lied and said that they won (laughs) so that the the native americans seemed like they had all been decimated when in fact they hadn't had the attachment to where they lived that maybe was in, you know, the European psyche. They didn't, they didn't make villages that were completely permanent. And they had a a society that was very, uh, there was a lot of exchange between people, right? Because if you stay in one place and, and and only breed with your family, you're going to genetically screw yourself up. Right. So the native Americans, they weren't particularly attached to any one place. So, when the colonists would find their villages deserted, they would just say, oh, they were all massacred, right? And one example of this was the Mystic Massacre where a gentleman named John Mason actually lied and said that he had killed 700 Pequot, when in reality they had all escaped on boat and went to Long Island, and then they traveled through and assimilated with the Mohawks. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't really know this until some artists and authors researchers went and and validated a lot of what the Pequot were saying. And the Pequot tribe was only recognized by the United States government in 1982. And that was mostly because of this lie that was told at the mystic massacre. And that's just one example of many, many massacres where this story started building that the savages needed to be defeated because they weren't, Listening to the ministers. They weren't being Christianized. They weren't following God's rule. And what's interesting is a lot of the more intelligent colonists noticed that the Native Americans' religion had a lot of similarity, or at least they supposed, with Hebrew religions. They actually called the Indians the Jews. They thought they were Jews. So more you there's this whole con- yeah there's the whole concept of the lost tribe and that fits in with you know Francis Bacon's idea of the New Atlantis and them creating this sort of um, template to build upon And it's, it's interesting
3: dude I mean well, I, I, I am I am I am Sicilian okay which is which is more basically I, I have more in me the Moors came and they defeat think about that. The Moors came and defeated Southern Italy. Like, we're talking about an area that was formerly known as Rome. And they came in there and they beat Southern Italy to the point that they breeded with Italians to create Sicilians.
1: Yeah, and Spain you as well.
3: And we're supposed to just think they're just a bunch of like just ha 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 ma, ma, club club, right? Like it's like maybe there's a lot more going on to these people than we want to believe.
0: I mean if you think about the Astex, being told. yeah, w- w- what do they say about the Aztecs? They were just chopping heads off. Yeah? Left and Good right, kill, killing people. I'm like, I'm not saying that's true, but I don't think the people that built that were doing that.
3: Yeah, I don't think those people, like, dude, those are very complex things. If We've had guests on talking about what the pyramids really were. Power so, plants. Power plants. So
2: That's something you see repeated, too, throughout history. You know, the idea of barbarians, yeah. you know, the Visigoths. Like, like We're all savages. Yeah, yeah, we yeah.
1: come from savages. Well, and what's interesting is Harvard College was one of the first uh, higher learning institutions created in the United States, and they had a whole school devoted to uh, teaching Indians, and several Native Americans uh, did really well. They, they took up uh, the classical literature that Harvard offered at the time, and they were reported as being able to speak uh, in fluent Greek and uh, certain dialects of Hebrew. So, you know, we have this misconception that they're all noble savages and really this comes from the artists of the day who were portraying the native american with these sort of greek themes right they would portray them as hercules with like you know uh, all of the native regalia but you know in the image of hercules much the same you know you guys have had conversations with uh, people who interpret the astrological uh, and the zodiacal symbology in art. This is what they were doing with uh, the Native Americans, and it kind of confused the actual history and uh, the brilliance that was in their culture. Um, you talked about the pyramids, but we should take a moment to to contemplate the mounds and the fact that here in New England, there are thousands of stone structures that are still not really accounted for. so uh, many people who live in New England or come to New England are familiar with the stone lines the stone walls that just basically frame the whole of New England they're they're like fences, right there's just these sort of old stones piled along in these rows and some people said that you know the Indians were, were slaved by the colonists and made to build them, but the truth is, is there's a lot of archaeological significance in these stone structures, and uh, the Native Americans had a lot of techniques for farming that uh, the colonists took advantage of, and, and now, of course, we have the, the chemicals that deplete the soil of all its value, but back then... They would use these stone chambers to change the electrical properties of the seeds that they were planting to double or triple the abundance. So much like what Matt Ruskey was talking about uh, a week or two ago on this show, uh, the Native Americans were integrating those types of concepts into their agriculture. So definitely not uh, simple people, definitely not Stone Age people, as Yale characterized them, uh, and you know, you said there's a lot to unpack here, which is why I wanted to focus mostly on New Haven. And New Haven is is where Skull and Bones found its home. And I don't think that's a coincidence. New Haven, New Heaven, right? New yeah, heaven yeah, I got gotcha. you.
3: I see what you're doing there.
1: But also Haven means harbor. And, and New Haven harbored the two judges who signed uh, King Charles II's death warrant. And these judges just so happened to hide in several of the sacred Native American locations uh, that are not just here in New Haven, but around New England. Obviously, uh, a stone chamber tucked away in a hill is probably a good way to hide from... So, uh, so why were they hiding? Well, they, ca- they signed King Charles II's execution, right? So what you have to understand about oh, the snap. Royal Church of England and all of that is... They've con they've conflicted with each other over religion, right? There's this whole pre- Protestant Reformation where Oliver Cromwell took over and created what's now basically what became the government of uh, England, right? They have the Parliament at Whitehall, and then they have what we consider like, a, you know, a symbolic authority with the Queen or now King Charles, uh, but either way. All of that is very complicated and it carried over into the new world. These disputes, uh, Protestants versus Catholics versus Anglicans versus you name it. And the Protestants, what's interesting about them is that they accept a lot more of those Hebrew ideas. They accept a lot more of the occult. They accepted more of the Kabbalah, the tree of life. And uh, we have this misimpression or, or malimpression that. In New England, they were all puritanical and they hated witches and magic was terrible. As a matter of fact, most of the church ministers were magicians themselves. And they were uh, hoping that God would favor their magical acts in creating this new society. And they favored things like healing because, you know, in the new colonies, they didn't have their footing yet. They didn't have agriculture Yet, and there are a lot of new maladies and diseases and battles, and so shamans who now are very famous for dispensing drugs, and you know we have this whole culture of the Native American that's been sort of commercialized to to be like this shaman who gives you psychedelics and offers you a trip, and but but back then it was much more sacred and and sanctified, and the shaman would be sort of like uh, a leader within the tribe. He wouldn't be the leader, but he would be among the leaders of the tribe. And uh, shamans had several different ways to heal people, one of which was a sweat bath, which, you know, sweat baths are still uh, used today for for many different ailments. But, uh, you know, all of the herbal remedies that the shamans and Native Americans were using here in the New World were transferred over to the colonists. And the colonists integrated these ideas into what became Harvard and Yale. What are Harvard and Yale known for today? They're incredibly, you know, uh, wealth, medical establishments. So again, back to this idea that history repeats itself, right? You have these Native Americans offering all of this wisdom of the new world and none of the credit is given to them as the colonies grow and uh, as a matter of fact this is sort of a ritualized process and several founding fathers and and members of yale and and so on were part of secret societies that carried over these ideas from the ancient world uh, ideas that the romans used to christianize the pagans and they attempted these things here on the Native Americans. That's why we have all of these mound sites across the country that have been gridded over and cities built upon them, cities like Washington, D.C., cities like Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, New Haven, Connecticut, Boston, Massachusetts, New York City, Albany, the list goes on and on. And all of the Ivy League schools are located in specific locations. Yes, Not to mention, they're located on one ley line that goes all the way through North America. Uh, The the ley line has been called by Peter Shampoo, past guest on the show, uh, the Acadian ley. It goes from Teotihuacan in Mexico, the Pyramid of the Sun, uh, through New Orleans, up through Atlanta. And then it goes up through Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, New York City, New Haven, Boston, and it's no coincidence that all of these Ivy League schools were founded in the same uh, line, or at least in proximity to the line, uh, because many of the Ivy League schools were founded by members of other <laughs> Ivy League schools. Yale well, was founded by all Harvard graduates. Yeah. All
3: right, guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Copy My Crypto. Guys, listen, the recession is underway, fuel is through the roof, and food prices are insane. People are beginning to lose their
2: homes. But there can be a massive positive to this because recessions are where more wealth is made than in any other time in the economic cycle. Take the last recession. Those who invested in property and stocks more than doubled their money inside two years. But no market rose like crypto where people made 10, 50, even 100 times over the same period. That's what James McMahon did. On his Crypto with James YouTube channel, he told his 21,000 subscribers to invest in the same 26 coins that he did. Had you invested $100 into each of those coins, you'd have been in profit for more than $123,000. $1,000. Wow. His top pick of the year, a crypto called Phantom, went up a staggering 692 times. And remember, this is public knowledge. You can go to YouTube and verify it yourself. James will be sharing every coin he buys during this recession on his Copy My Crypto membership site. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest, you simply copy James.
3: So to join the 2,800 members who copy James, go to copymycrypto.com slash Sam. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash S-A-M. It's your call. You can thrive in this recession or be another victim. Go, to, go visit the site and read every word now. All right, thank you, Copy My Crypto. We appreciate you being one of our longest running sponsors. We also want to tell you about our friends at Helix Sleep. Listen, sleeping is important. It's the most, probably one of the most important things you do. It's the way you really get rocking and rolling. So you need to have a good bed, okay? I had a bad bed, but now thanks to Helix, I'm Cooking with gas, okay, it's great. Johnny loves his Love it. And, and XG loves him. Listen, Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattress based on your unique sleeping preference preferences okay the helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses including a collection of luxury models a mattress for big and tall sleepers and even a mattress made just for kids thank you so so how will you know which mattress works best for you and your body take the helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and your personalized mattress will be shipped straight to your door free of charge bam helix knows that there's no better way to test out your mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home that's why they offer a hundred night risk-free trial try out your new helix mattress see how your body adjusts and if you decide it's not the best fit for you you're welcome to return it for a full refund it's just that simple everyone's unique everyone sleeps differently that's why helix has several different mo- mattress models to choose from and each is a specific sleep position okay uh i took the helix sleep quiz and i matched with the the the, the mattress that's best for sl- side sleepers i'm a side sleeper okay what'd you guys like
0: i get the the midnight deluxe i think it was called
3: yeah Ooh. you would be a midnight i love it it's great and you know what Helix mattresses are made in the USA, 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 with 10 or 15 year warranties, depending on the mile. And remember, you can try it out for 10 days risk-free. If you don't love it, and I know you will, but if you don't, they will pick it up for you and give you a full refund, okay? Listen, Helix was been awarded the number one mattress, Okay. Picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. That's pretty amazing. So here's what I want you guys to do. Here's what I want you guys to do. It's very simple. Real simple. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Tim Foyle. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Thank you for sponsoring the show. I want to get into real quick before we move into these secret societies, these skull and bones, the uh, the 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 understanding that all of these these Ivy League schools were founded also by opium families, mm. done specifically to uh, give the elites and the children of the elites a head up. A let's, head start on everything. Let's
1: let's clarify that because you are c- correct, but let's clarify. So when Yale was founded, like I said, ten Harvard ministers founded Yale, and uh, it was the perfect place to found a school like that. The original governor of New Haven, John Davenport, was a very zealous Calvinist minister, who I you know. Envision this ideal of a new Zion where church, state, and school would create the perfect government with God uh, and the elite to rule it all. Exactly like you're saying. And why would they pick Elahu Yale as opposed to da- John Davenport for the namesake of this school? Well, a man named Jeremiah Dummer, who uh, actually was the main sort of benefactor. His of last Yale, name was you know, Dummer? <laughs> Dumber. He couldn't. He wouldn't work for a university. You wouldn't want to go to Dumber University. Yeah. So they they dumber, chose dumber's Yale. Based
2: on him, his, his brother was dumb and he was dumb. Yeah. Well, I just I've always said
3: these people with these weird last names. Why do they pass it on to their kids? Like, why don't you go? Okay, enough. We're not going to be yeah. known as the Dummers.
2: Okay, yeah, 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 totally. I'm gonna make up a new name. Add an R in there. You're the drummers now. Or like Much when better.
3: somebody like somebody's last name is Dick, and then they name their kid Harry. You're like, why would you
2: do that to
1: your kid? What are you doing? So yeah. so Dummer actually, he was like the guy who who kind of knew all the cool people to get involved, right? So he knew who to involve, and he involved Yale to to fund the school and that's why we call it yale today Elihu yale who was born born in massachusetts in boston uh he actually lived most of his life in england wales and india and he was a slave trader he was a governor of the british east oh, india Company, Fort st george madras and he was so corrupt that the british Kicked him out of all people. Uh, he was too corrupt for the British. So Bro, listen to this, uh, this man. You, this you, is the guy, here yeah. we
3: are, another slave trader starting a school where racism is like the worst thing ever in the history of time, right? I <laughs> and mean, and the- now you got these Nazis, everyone's working with Nazis in the Ukraine, and they're like, no, he's a Nazi. I'm like, your boys are working with the Nazi, like, they're like, everything is being exposed. For what scumbags they are, whether it's Campbell Toe Harris's family working in the, in the slave trade, or or I think Biden's family had slave trade backing. The lady in the lady in Canada who closed down the accounts of Canadians who backed the truckers, her mother or grandmother. What, there's pictures of her with Hitler. Huh. Really? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's just like so,
1: unbelievable. Like this is what I'm saying. Like all is being exposed. So this is this is the setting in which Skull and Bones finds its place. To your point, Sam, uh, major hypocrisy, especially considering Yale's recent track record. But it fits right in uh, with Skull and Bones and and what their idea for the world is. Very in line with That's what, what Isaac just Newton's saying.
3: nickname was.
1: So, all right, so let's explain this. So, not only did uh, Jeffrey Drummer recruit slave trader and opium dealer Elihu Yale, uh, he recruited Isaac Newton, the last of the magicians, president of the Royal Society. Uh, And he also enlisted Richard Steele, member of the Kit Kat Club, which was one of the many hellfire clubs in London, uh, along with Count St. Germain, who you guys spent a whole episode discussing uh, his very mysterious life. Few people know that Count St. Germain... Was possibly a friend of Napoleon Dynamite, and even fewer people know yeah. Napoleon, Napoleon Dynamite. Was, the movie, yeah. well, that's and Napoleon amazing. Bonaparte. Yeah, okay. well, that, Napoleon, yeah, that's, that, that would have so. been the coolest fact ever. <laughs> you know, my cousins <laughs> oh, yeah. used to call me Napoleon Bonaparte, so or Dynamite. So that was a Freudian slip, right there. <laughs> that would have been the like, best. That's very I true. looked like Napoleon. Fun Dynamite. fact when I was a kid. Richard Steele
3: related to the Napoleon Dynamite. Who knew, man? Who knew? I'm sure you go far back enough, there is some connection. (laughs) that,
2: That Illuminati yeah i knew it so
1: this is this is the stage that we're setting and johnny just hit the the highlight word that we're going to get to illuminati and how they play into this picture but the royal society it's important to understand the royal society is sort of like the precursor to the freemasons it's a rosicrucian idea these are the men who i envisioned the university right at at the time there were universities and uh, there were medieval universities and they were sort of teaching people crafts and trades and things like this that that grew into the the companies and corporations that began to dominate the British Empire. Uh, So when we look at Isaac Newton as his role funding Yale at its beginning, you have to understand that even though Yale outwardly appeared to be this puritanical by the Bible institution, Isaac Newton was its founder these people who were Puritans, they were interested in the occult. They were, they were away from the church that told them the occult was bad because only the King could practice the occult. So again, Richard Steele count of St. Germain, St. Germain could have possibly been uh, a a friend of Napoleon Bonaparte and fewer people know that Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, he considered this St. Germain character sort of like a spy and a traitor at one point. And, uh, there was a guy in North Carolina who claimed to have or well, he was basically said to have been Saint Germain uh, who who lived out the rest of his life after his battles with Napoleon Bonaparte in North Carolina as a school teacher. and you can go and and find his grave. There's sort of like a French uh, engraving somewhere there in North Carolina I wanted to mention that for for Johnny but uh, well I I find it
3: very interesting real quick that Napoleon that Isaac Newton is known as the last of the magicians and Mm. he's convinced us that gravity exists And what gravity is, you know, complicated
1: to, you know, because when we look at a character like Isaac Newton, you have to understand the environment he was in. Right. It was very, you know, they were worried about people studying the type of things that science was was developing into. Right. This was all considered a cult to the church science and all that. And, and by the time the Royal society and the Rosicrucians and all of them had really um, taken the center stage in the enlightenment, this, uh, you know, control of the church was starting to wane. And that's when you see the church start to create organizations like the Jesuits to, to gain control back. Uh, even though the Jesuits do have an older, uh, much longer lineage, that's when they sort of came into their full prominence. So Yale founders, you know, they're, they're definitely deeply connected, um, You know, they were involved in Christianizing Indians. So again, the hypocrisy, all of these students today are whining about colonialism, yet they go to a school named after a slave trader founded by people who believe that the Native Americans didn't deserve to believe their own beliefs. Um, So, yeah, and, and not to mention the Yale seal is not only sort of. Connecting a few dots here with the whole idea of being in the new heaven, we're talking about uh, a symbol here that was used on Aaron's breastplate in the holy place. Uh, it's also connected to a ritual where the high priest uses to uh, what became or evolved into dice. But, you know, in older forms, they were called casting lots. They would throw these sort of pieces of wood or bone And determine what God had divined uh, them to you know want to do right so this is a type of divination they throw dice on the ground similar to what people do with tarot or what people do uh, there's so many different forms of divination but right here in the seal of Yale is proof of their occult interests Um, and it just goes on and on from there like I said the Calvinists and the Puritans are a heavy influence but again these guys were beginning to dislike that pressure of the church. They didn't believe in uh, this idea of eternal damnation anymore. That sort of characterized the early colonies of new England, this idea that everybody was a sinner. And as a matter of fact, God ordained you to be a sinner because it was a part of God's will for you to do devilish acts. This is the type of Whoa. you know, mindset, these sort of uh, religious concepts that get pushed into the psychology of man in a Jungian way. They express themselves hundreds of years later. But we see at this time the concept of deism starting to evolve. And this is the religion that the founding fathers are best known for. Uh, The deists believe that God, in fact, was not involved in the affairs of human beings, aside from maybe the occasional divine inspiration of genius. Uh, They believe that man was here to embody God and and act out God and actually even uh, try to recreate God and become God themselves. So this is the sort of uh, New Age precursor to what really boomed in the last 200 years of people Uh, with the new age and new thought movement. Yeah, this
3: new thing that you uh, you can become God, that becomes very story of Lucifer. Whatever the story of Lucifer is, we've heard many different beliefs on that, you know, about (coughs) the bearer of light, and was he casted out because he wanted to be God, fallen angels, all that stuff. But that gets into that, that you could be God when we're
1: already a part of
3: God. Right, I mean that's my opinion.
1: We have Thomas Clap here, and and Thomas is the, considered kind of like the first president of Yale, last preacher minister <laughs> of Yale, because Yale was like I said Puritan and and uh, comprised of basically religious teachings. Uh, he brought in you know more scientific mathematical courses and things like that. He actually invented uh, or built in america the first ori which is a hard word to pronounce but it's this little thing down here that uh people use to sort of uh create a model of how the planets move so these are the ideas that, that these guys at yale were, were thinking about you yeah, know they're very much a part of this scientific enlightenment and uh thomas Clapp invented or, or created founded the linonian society which basically is Yale's oldest secret society. Uh, He was friends with Benjamin Franklin and awarded him a degree at Yale. And uh, you have to imagine that Benjamin Franklin going to these hellfire clubs in London, where literally these men would do the most blasphemous things possible because that was in fashion at the time. Like I'm saying, the church had become unfashionable. They were sick of their tyrannical rule over the minds of men. People were getting smarter and learning more about science and things like this. So one of the things in fashion at the time was to go to these clubs in London where they would, you know, compete to see who could, you know, get the highest body count as we call it today. And even, you know, brag to each other about which, you know, who slept with the youngest, uh, right, this sort of sick perversion of, of screwing children. And then, you know, Ben Franklin idiot.
3: gets stuck, you know. They, so we talk about us on, I talk about us on Rogan. He, they find all these bodies and they're like, oh, yeah, he's doing research. I'm like, was
1: he? <laughs> well, do we know-, know that? They were they were definitely not allowed by, you know, most people's standards to examine bodies. So that is a big part of this whole saga, because you have these people who are investigating science. They, they wanted to get inside of the human being and see how it worked. So, yeah, it wasn't really uh, OK with the church fathers to go and dig up the graves. So they had to do this secretly. Yeah. Hence why these secret societies have a knack for grave robbing and we'll get to that in a little and bit kidnapping but anyways children. He, what he and created, kidnapping children i just, yeah. i have a feeling well, that that's what yeah, it yeah me too that's, dude. That's like orphanages sickest, and stuff man oh, I felt worse. the worst human beings what about sucks. it man and and what it, what we really need to realize is this is sort of an elite sort of idea right if you look in nature you have the lion right why why do the english have this lion as their symbol there's no lions in africa what does the lion do to uh uh, the the children of of its competitors it kills them it eats them okay oh. a lion in the jungle doesn't play nice with its competitors children it goes over it kills all of the baby cubs and then it mates with their mothers right that is some
3: it, crazy shit
1: right this is why they adopt yeah. these sorts of symbols like the lion and this is why they have no uh sympathy for children because they believe they're uh, a higher elite somebody who is you know saved by god and actually as a matter of fact sanctified to do devilish acts because god wants them to do it in order to bring upon the end of days and you know it goes way back we we're talking about the nephilim over the past week and i think the nephilim is overblown. Uh, I think Matt LaCroix talking about the Anunnaki definitely connects to all this. They talk about the old world gods, and that's what the secret societies were really... Damn!
3: Shots fired, Mark! <laughs> well, the, You're I'm shooting the booker, fires so- at a guest that, that was loved by a lot of people, Bob. No. That you booked. I, I booked oh, her. No. I no, told him the book her, but... <laughs> listen,
1: I, listen, I don't carry my own personal beliefs into booking the but show. But let me ask
3: people. you something, though, Mark. But... Wasn't Christopher Knowles talking
1: almost about the same shit? Well, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying what Laura Sanger or, or Chris Knowles was saying is disagreeable. I agree with most of what they said. I said that the Nephilim concept is overblown. Okay, that that statement. Let's look at what I just said and let's consider what I actually mean, because I don't want to just make flippant statements, but. Uh, you're making Nephilim. flippant statements, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm making flippant statements, but I can back them up. So the Nephilim, it's complicated, you know, sort of idea, but there are many different disputed theories on what the Nephilim actually are. And the reason why I say it's overblown is because I think that some of the concepts that people with certain religious persuasions say our our Nephilim can be understood in different ways too. So it's not so much that I disagree with Laura Sanger and anything that she was saying. I I like what she had to say. And uh, as well, Chris Knowles, I think Chris Knowles is a great researcher. I just think that the the concept of the Nephilim could be a, a sort of amalgam of multiple concepts. And I just like to be more accurate. And I also... Stand to be corrected, uh, and I, I, I reserve the right to be wrong as well. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, how could someone know about these ancient mystical beings that were written about by uh, ancient rabbis who were equally uh, duplicitous in most of the things that they were saying? I, they're just not the best sources for this kind of thing. But, all anyways, right, the, all
3: right, all right, the, we'll, we'll take
1: the Lenonian society back to what we're talking about here was the oldest secret society at Yale. And uh, Nathan Hale, America's first spy, was a member of it, as well as Abraham Baldwin, a founding father. And Eli Whitney, who, ironically enough, freed more slaves than any other person. He invented the cotton gin, which uh, uh, ostensibly made it uh, a lot easier to produce cotton and, and sort of, lighten the load, so to speak, on how many slaves they needed. Um, Anyways, again, very connected to the whole slave trade, the idea that the indigenous peoples, not just of North and South America, but as you see here, Hawaii as well, uh, were being Christianized and subjugated, and not because their best interests were in mind, but because they needed a political justification to own the land and keep them either off of it, if they didn't comply, or a part of it, if they would like to be part of God's chosen people. Uh, But, you know, only the elite are really chosen. It's sort of a a trick on the rest of the people in the colony. But anyways, the Linonian Society also holds membership uh, with Andrew White, Timothy Timothy Dwight, and uh, Daniel Gilman, who are sort of like the troika of the skull and bones in the sense that they really pushed skull and Bones' agenda across the united states into several other universities yeah. and that is important considering what we're talking about sam especially you talk a lot about this on the show with the cultural marxism that's invaded our uh, school system we can find the sort of source of that, at least in Yale and possibly also Harvard. Um, the founders of <clears throat> Skull and Bones, who we'll talk about possibly in a moment, they were inspired by some of the things that they learned when they were in the University of Berlin. But uh, Yale doesn't You know, their history with secret societies doesn't start quite there. Ezra Stiles, the seventh president of Yale, you see behind him in this painting made of him, a tetragrammaton. So clearly he was, uh, very interested in the occult. Doesn't quite come through in this blurry, uh, copy of the Uh, painting. What is that? A tetragrammaton is a ancient symbol, comes from the occult Kabbalah. It's a Hebrew concept and, uh, has made its way into very multiple other versions of of mysticism and new age thought. But, uh, but here we are, have it in the 18th century, uh, painted behind this gentleman. And he actually studied the Kabbalah with Chaim Isaac Karagel, the first rabbi to ever visit the U S colonies. Um, Ezra Stiles also founded Brown university, again, linking the Ivy league schools together Um, and he was a part of the society of Cincinnati, which again, had this concept of, we're going to take over the native Americans, holy sites and use them for our own divine will. Right. And, uh, there's a little error there, but there's sort of a a quote that, uh, I can't read the first part of it, but he suggested that the white Americans are like the chosen people of Israel. He opened that in God's Good providence, Indians and Africans may gradually vanish, thus ensuring that an unrighteous slavery may at length in God's good providence be abolished and cease in the land of liberty. So let's examine that really quick. He doesn't say let's abolish slavery. He says, let the Indians and Africans gradually vanish so that we do not need to rely on unrighteous slavery so he's not suggesting that uh you know we free these people he's suggesting let's just get them away yeah so we can well, when handle- you say
3: white americans are like the chosen people well, i mean like yeah, i would yeah. love to take these guys and just flash for them and have them watch like all the debauchery <laughs> that's acceptable today oh school, like just like in general <laughs> on youtube or on tinder or any of these like this stuff that's
2: can't Pornhub. Have these guys so watch Pornhub, their so heads would funny. explode. Yeah.
3: Like if you go back in time and have that dude watch Pornhub. Dude, hub, they had
2: women that, that wow, covered didn't... their ankles, I mean they didn't see a strange woman's ankle. They bro. would explode. They would explode. <sighs> they expo- might they might learn some things. Too, but here's
3: honestly. the whole thing. That's stuff like that was going on. It was just way hidden. In the back, and there is something to that, right? Like, okay, we can all get weird. We don't need to see it everywhere all the time, right? No. There, there's a part of me that's like that's not so bad. Like, I would love to go to a comedy show and not hear about a female comic's vagina for 30 minutes on stage. <laughs> we get it. You love your vagina. Is it have to be everything you talk about? Like, I had this gay comic open up for me in Atlanta, in Alaska. All he did was talk about his beehole the whole time. It's like we get it. We mm. get it.
1: Like, hey, talk well, about this is the this is the depravity you're talking about that was sort of made uh, sort of part of the culture through these occult secret societies, you know, bringing back the ideas of the old world, getting rid of the traditionalism that the church uh, basically made uh, law. Right. So people were taking up this, you know, new idea of anyone can do anything they want. Do as thou. What's Crowley saying? Uh, do do what thou do a, will shall be the whole of the law. Right? Yeah. And he came much many years after this time period, but uh, but clearly this concept of this sort of new Atlantis included the idea of uh, all of these different religions sort of vying it out to see who would stake the claim and be chosen by God. And and you can see that exemplified in William Penn's holy experiment. William Penn obviously is the, uh, it gives his namesake to Pennsylvania, which means, uh, Penn's woods. So, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, uh, ingrained into the fabric of the United States. I
3: wonder if Pennsylvania has anything to do with Transylvania.
1: Absolutely. The, the, they have the same, uh, suffix, but, uh, you know, it's just I wonder common...
3: if that's a shout out to that because well, we know to... Transylvania is like, was where like Valdi and Paler came from and all that house of. D- 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 the clan of dragon, you know, or it's whatever uh, it's
1: called. You no know, Mithraism, you know Mithraism. Yeah. You have heard of Mithraism? This comes from Transylvania, the, the historical area. Transylvania means
2: woods in Latin. That's what that's where you get yeah. that from. Tran- so we they Silvania. got trans woods out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 well,
1: there. Tran- trans would <laughs> probably have something. Gender some, fluid shrubbery. Transylvania Stons- means Virginia. beyond the
2: woods, and Pennsylvania means Penn's woods. So Penn's land, basically, is what we're, what we're talking
1: about. Here. So so back to Ezra Stiles with uh, this idea that, you know, uh, chosen people and so on, like he was not alone. You know, the people who founded Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, they they all believed in these same concepts as well. And Ezra Stiles was the seventh president of Yale between the years of 1778 in 1795, so right at the time where the United States was becoming the United States, many people sort of think, oh, we became the United States at 1776. No, we did not. George Washington didn't become president until five years later. Um, So there's many different things that happened between those five years, one of which included the sixth president of Yale being kidnapped by the British when they invaded New Haven. Uh, He was taken uh, somewhere and then killed. Oh and my god. That was the 6th president of Yale and uh the 6th planet of the, from the sun is Saturn and and New Haven has this sort of saturnian vibe that we'll get to as well. It's known as the Elm City, elm being symbolically associated with Saturn in the pagan lexicon. So this concept of the sixth president being sacrificed by the british uh, at a british institution is sort of uh, interesting you know you, you have this concept we see with uh, celebrities right oh kanye's mother and so on and so forth but uh, but yeah the society of cincinnati is very interesting and definitely connected to uh, the concepts of this new world ideology, and uh, I guess this link isn't going to work. But either, what way, do you the- think
3: the, the the members of the Society of Cincinnati would think of the city of Cincinnati right now <laughs> if they went there? <laughs> right, I'd like to take well, they- them to the Chipotle I went
1: to, and I where I feared for my life the whole time as I tried to get a, a burrito. Well, what's interesting is you have these factions of founding fathers, some who believed in the Society of Cincinnati, or who were part of the Society of Cincinnati, and others who were part of different secret society factions, and they built up Ohio to be sort of like uh, the seat of the empire and that's why a lot of presidents come from ohio the bushes are connected to ohio in some way as well but uh you know back through the yale presidents very briefly this guy was important as well he was a federalist connected to alexander hamilton the guy who got us back involved with the central banks so yale has sort of always fought to kind of be Close to England, but you know, or initially they were sort of opposed, and over time kind of got closer, right? Uh, we have this guy, Timothy Dwight, who sort of ran the the school like a pope, they say, and he brought more courses and made the school one of the largest institutions of higher education in the whole of North America. He also wrote a poem called The Conquest of Canaan, which is in line with everything we just described about. God's chosen people conquering this new holy land and uh, then we have the Brothers in Unity which sort of is a response to the Linonian Society or competitor to the Linonian Society it's also important to note that the founder of Skull and Bones was a part of this uh, debate society and they operated under Masonic secrecy which wasn't the norm for the debating society so this was sort of like the First actual secret society, even though we would consider the Linonian society uh, maybe secretive as well. But it's interesting to note that the first mayor of Los Angeles was a member of the Brothers in Unity. So uh, definitely goes all the way over to L.A. And for the almost the entire course of Skull and Bones, they've had a significant amount of members who are based in Los Angeles. So it seems like there's a connection to Hollywood and so on and so forth. But uh, but yeah, a lot of interesting people who are part of this group Whoa, as well. Oh
3: the Treaty of Tripoli. Have read that? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I highlighted that for you, Sam. The ambassador to France and the drafter of the Treaty of Tripoli was a part of the, the Brothers in Unity. And uh, Samuel Morris, inventor of the Morse code, His father actually was the first man in New England to wave the red flag and warn people about this Illuminati conspiracy. He, uh, you know, sort of all of the students at Yale at the time were talking about the French revolution and the presidents were very quick to be like, no, no, that's infidel philosophy. We don't like that around here, but uh, it seems like there was again, this factionality of secret societies where one secret society had reign of Yale. And then another was starting to blossom as France sort of gained steam with their revolution. And, uh, and this guy, Jedediah Morris, he is the father of American geography. So he's not some just random nutbag. Uh, And he he said, you know, uh, basically, hey, this guy, John Robinson, uh, has the proofs of conspiracy. And he sermoned about it several different times. And George Washington had to make a statement which follows (laughs) it's very double speak. If you guys would like me to read it, but it says it is not my intention to doubt that the doctrines of the Illuminati and the principles of Jacobinism had not spread in the United States. On the contrary, no one is more satisfied of this fact than I am. The idea that I meant to convey was that I did not believe that the lodges of Freemasons in this country had, as societies, endeavored to propagate the diabolical tenets of the first or pernicious principles of the latter. So he's basically saying, you know, yes, the secret societies are here, but I don't think they're as bad as John Robinson says. And, and at this, says the time, guy
3: in the secret society. Yeah.
1: Right. 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 Uh, they're,
3: they're not bad. I I know most of them, I mean loosely. no I'm not part well, of Well,
2: dude, uh, like you know you know it's bad even now because remember how weird John Kerry and Bush got when they were asked about those things? Oh they yeah. Got and, so and then the weird, one man.
3: reporter died like shortly yeah. after. I mean,
2: they got it's those, those those societies and I imagine back then too when when we knew less about the nature of, of you know, the reality uh that they had even more sway on people so weird dude it's
3: so weird and like yeah there's all this freemason symbolism and i think it was you mark that told me like when a new uh president gets sworn in there's like a a weird like weird like ceremony that's done to some like dark entity that nobody knows about. It's like it's
0: but okay, if that's true, do you think they would would have done it to Trump or skipped him? Like, hey, we can't give this fucker.
2: Probably did to him too, dude. Yeah. Oh, he's in oh for sure, dude. There's no way you get up to be like a landed, you know, billionaire in New York without
3: In the most or, corrupt yeah, industry, which is New York City real estate he's been in every
1: well, again, dark what's, corner what's there. interesting about this saga of secret society mark is, is the sun like, getting closer to you it is kind of annoying behind me isn't it's it okay. it's
3: okay It just yeah. it seems like you're getting getting closer. i just have like a halo around yeah me. you do look you're doing the yeah. lord's work you look heavenly <laughs> you do look heavenly mark
1: yeah i gotta get a new video web camera but anyway okay. so you know we have this concept of uh of the new world and all of this, but the secret societies vying for control of it, you know, they, they take turns and they're battling with each other. So I don't know if, if maybe some presidents get sworn in that way. Uh, I, I wasn't the one who told you that if I did, I don't remember. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, the thing is, uh, you know, whether or not Trump got sworn in it, under some occult ritual, it's like, well, who is he associated with? You know, uh, Steven Snyder seems to have done a lot of research. He was on the show uh, recently talking about that. And he's written a whole book about Trump and, and his connections. I personally do not begin to, to know anything about Trump. I could say that I haven't found any connections with him to skull and bones. Um, he might be friends with some skull and bones men, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really take any sides on that, that whole uh, which presidents good or bad? I think they're all bad. I think the whole s- institution is is corrupted by these secret societies, and it's just a puppet. You know, it's a puppet, and and d- they they battle whose hand gets to go up the puppet's ass. You know, I agree. I think it's
3: all <laughs> crime organizations, and you know, it's just like who do you want more? I mean, I, I mean, does anybody like what Biden's doing? I mean, it's just. There's no hope, man. I don't know why, but it just seemed like there was more hope with Trump. I, mean, maybe I, I will say religion. it
2: seems that Democrats at least have turned around on him a little over the past couple of weeks with the you know the marijuana thing and then him yeah Working. that's
3: my favorite thing i'm There's gonna release 6, you all people. from these laws i created yeah. and my vice president pushed. when well, it's know. only
2: federal i mean you know six thousand people it's, it's not the untold yeah but it's the headline that power. you want yeah and he got it yeah, right
3: sure. all of uh, all of uh his listeners were oh, like were all oh, i'm going to vote for this guy yeah. now
0: they act like they don't smoke already i'm like bro why are you happy about it like you already smoke heavy <laughs> Yeah, I'm down. Hey, look at Mark. Mark was smoking on the show. Look at Mark. Yeah, Mark was smoking smoking on the
3: show. show. Mark
1: is a Nephilim. Oh, Maybe that's
3: why Mark doesn't care about the Nephilim because he's trying to get us off the tracks of him and his tribe. <laughs> well, that's the
1: thing. They say the Nephilim were giants. Then some say the Nephilim were demons. It's like, make up your mind. What are they? Are they giants? Are they demons? And I also dislike the idea that the Native American skeletons and the, the big giants that were found here across North America, that they were Nephilim because it creates this, you know, it, it adds into this puritanical uh, corruption of our minds that, oh, the, the Native Americans were bad, they were evil, they were in league with the devil. And here in New England, there's many different state parks and sites that are named the Devil's Den, or the Devil's Falls, or or the Devil's su- such and such, the Devil's Fields, because the Native Americans would do their, their ceremonies and whatnot, and when the Puritans would see that, they would be like, oh, shoot, what's going on? There must be worshiping the Devils. And What's interesting about that is that word devil comes from deva, right? So, what we're talking about is the old world gods. Again, you have the Puritans who believe in the new world god, and everything old world god is bad. But then the secret societies come in and they're like, yeah, we kind of like the old world gods. We're going to hang out with the old world gods, but we're going to pretend that we believe in the new world god so nobody catches on to us. I think and everything
3: this- is intention, bro. I think that's it. What's your intention? with your stuff it's like old oh god new god it's like you've had Knowles on here he's talking about how you know these these um these religious uh buildings that they used to have these ancient religions would have like hookers in, in the churches right and yeah. like some of them were trans hookers and well, the temple
1: <laughs> prostitute idea, temple into hookers, the yeah, Club, right? The hellfire clubs that that Benjamin Franklin participated in—that was the same concept of the of the temple prostitute, as you put it. And I, I was sharing my screen before, and I think you're making a great point, Sam. You know, they—what I would say is they write this stuff in stone. They mean it. And I have a picture here of myself and my brother, my mentor Amos, who taught me this. Uh, you know, a series of, of lessons, you know, not the information I was talking to you guys about today for the most part, this is a lot of, you know, inspired by him and, and carried through by me. But, uh, but this is him right here. Me and him went and did a little uh, walk about New Haven yesterday. Uh, and this is a, a part of New Haven that he showed me several times. And up here, this is the Yale law school where uh, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton Uh, graduated from. That's right behind us right there. And uh, on the wall there or on the, these, like whatever you call these, uh, these pediments here, you have the concept of the duality that basically was the arm of the tyrannical church of new England. This idea that you're either a good saved man or you're a sinner. And, you know, people like Johnny born in North Carolina, even XG down there in LA, like you guys were affected by this movement in some way through the various religious pilgrimages and and settled, you know, all the people that came and settled, whether it was the Spanish or various groups of Europeans, they carried these ideas with them and they have it written here in stone. And if you zoom in, I don't know if I'll be able to zoom in too deeply, but this guy who's cast as a sinner, he has some telling things around him and they, they writ this into stone, you know, two, three hundred years ago. Uh we have an XXX on this bottle of liquor. We have candy cards. We have a uh a a tobacco pipe behind him. Uh we have, you know, a skull somewhere in the background and a spider kind of crawling on his leg. And then we have this sort of Puritan minister guy, just clutching all he's got is his Bible there. Right. And and what is going out their heads? Is that hair or is that like he's got a mop on his head? Yeah, that's hair. That's just hair. I mean, this is, you know, this is carved into stone so they can't get too crazy with the details. But, uh, but here's, here's a really interesting part of the graveyard. It's a picture I took last week when I took a little walk around a graveyard. I'm uh, not the typical guy to go and do that. I'm not, you know, one of these, you're not a typical guy who takes pictures in graveyards. No, you know, I'm not one of these dancing in the under the bridge goth types that goes and (laughs) hangs out in, in graveyards. But, uh, but I did do some picture taking here for research purposes because this graveyard here in new Haven, uh, it was known as the garden of the dead when they created it. And, uh, and, What's interesting about the Garden of the Dead is they have uh, <clears throat> several incredibly well-known people buried here. It was the first cemetery of its kind ever built in America, with paved streets and uh, sort of separated burial plots. Before people were just sort of buried in a pile in, in one massive location. They keep you know digging yeah. a new spot, put a this couple. This guy's people taking
3: there. up all the
1: room. So, yeah, so this is sort of like the, again, adding to this elite psychology that was ingrained into New England and carried through in the the motivations of secret societies like Skull and Bones. And these guys buried here were basically like some of the most, you know, in the terms of like, oh, there's
3: multiple people in this area.
1: Yeah, there's uh, this is a whole family, and they're oh. they're, they're buried around this guy Samuel St. John, and this is sort of a mystery because Samuel St. John was not uh, related to these people. And why are these people important? Well, the Sheffield family, they were the operating faction of of Skull and Bones that successfully usurped control over Yale in the 1800s. So Skull and Bones was created in 1832. Uh, when there was this sort of anti-Masonic fervor going on in the country, William Morgan published these papers on the Freemasons revealing their secrets. And the Freemasons literally sent him up the river. Uh, they found his body two months later, uh, and, and it caused an uproar throughout the United States. It sparked the first uh, third party, right? We have the anti-Masonic party, um, one of their candidates, uh, William Wilt or w- I forget Wirt, William Wirt. His skull is now held in the tomb. He was one of the only anti Masonic candidates to ever run for president, but not long story short, all of the country was really scared because they realized these secret societies had so much control. They had the ability to kill and silence this author. Uh, the whole state of New York was controlled by Freemasons all the way up to the governor. And, uh, And all of these sort of groups that were a little bit more public went underground. And that's when you see Skull and Bones evolve from groups like Phi, Kappa, Beta, and Delta, blah, blah, Epsilon. All these Greek letter societies that, again, developed around the debating societies and the other elements of these colleges that were being built. The university system, which was invented by Rosicrucians, Uh, this all sort of blossomed into people being like, oh my gosh, our country's being taken over. We've only been free for 15, 20 years. The war of 1812 was only, you know, 20 years earlier. And we're realizing that the, the, the European powers are already here trying to take control of the colonies. And, uh, you know, maybe they did. Maybe that's why we have the, the success of these secret societies. And the elite families that they were a part of who always wanted to be royals and, and saw them saw this as their opportunity to be royalty of the new land. Uh, they fought with the old royalty, of course, to be sovereign, but their intentions were never to be sovereign. Their intentions were to create a sovereign royalty for themselves, and we would be under their domain. Didn't quite work out for them. We got the Constitution, and we have my home state, Connecticut, to thank. Connecticut doesn't get a lot of uh, props. Comedians tend to hate on it because there's no good comedy clubs here. But if it wasn't for Connecticut, none of us potentially would be free. Uh, Connecticut wrote the first constitution and they fought for the first constitution. Even when the colonies of Massachusetts and New York tried to turn royal forces against them, they stood strong. And, uh, I'm kind of going away from the point about the graveyard, but, uh, Hey, it's dude, really you, love,
3: you love your area, bro. I there's nothing wrong um, with that. that. Hey, you're, you're, weird, love, you're
2: weirdly into Connecticut. <laughs> <right? That's, laughs> you're weird into Connecticut. There's a lot going on there.
3: There's a lot going on there. And uh, the reason that, and I, this is why, and I'd love to hear everybody's opinion on this, why I think we're in this most unique time ever. Because, you know, it's like Christopher Knoll said before, that there really is no cult anymore. Occult like, means secret, and everything's out. And mm. even though they're doing their
2: best, I don't believe that. Yeah, I agree with I think there's so much oh, that we don't know about. Yeah,
1: let me let me like say what? this, hey, Sam. That's the point. Dude. I don't I know. I, don't think, know. I, <laughs> I think I think all of you are right in a way. So what we're talking about here nice with try, the university Mark. system and the and the <laughs> secret societies, we're talking about uh, the reeve vitalization of the mystery schools of Greece and Rome, right? What were the mystery schools? The mystery schools were not, we'll teach you about all the things that are mysterious in the universe. No mystery has become mistranslated. The actual word mystery was spelled with an I, not a Y. And it had a different uh, definition than what we now consider mysterious. Uh, The original term mystery was to craft And what was happening in the mystery schools was that they were crafting the minds of the the initiates so that they would go through this rite of passage and become a a reborn human being. Very similar to what the Freemasons do, very similar to what the Native Americans did all across this country. They had several uh, different, unique uh, variations of this rite of passage that seems to be a part of human psychology. And I think... Part of what the elite have done that has ruined this country the most is they have taken the rite of passage that all us human beings have a right to participate in. Uh, they've taken it away from us and they've saved it only for the elite. They've made it so that only the elite can go through this rite of passage and that the rest of us will just be confused and not know uh, what we really are I like here.
3: That. I like what you're saying. I think you're totally right. I agree with that completely. Because the
1: rite of passage teaches us about all the things that you're learning on your show Zero, Sam, about how reincarnation is real and we have multiple lives here and you can actually experience it. And some people think that what people experience during a near-death experience was brought on in these mystery schools. They literally put you on the brink of death so your soul would leave your body you'd go and meet Peter or whoever and realize oh shoot they're not lying to me about heaven this is all real or whatever the the concept was and why this becomes a little tricky is like now we have people making uh, DMT and talking about machine elves and I'm wondering maybe these secret societies have gotten you know figured out how to technologize this process and they're going to use VR and DMT and drugs to put us through this alchemical process that really they've started many hundreds of years ago here in this country and other countries but you know with our culture and all the things that we notice that are occult this is all because we're being processed alchemically towards an end we're a flock we're a sheep of you know sheep being flocked towards you know slaughter so to speak but the slaughter is is Good for the shepherds because they've done their job correctly, and God will favor them, and the sheep will will, will have done their job, right? Because they're just sheep destined to to be eaten, right? So <laughs> it is,
3: I, I get very nervous that psychedelics and weed are everywhere, accepted everywhere, like microdosing now, except for on Instagram when I talk about Meek Mill doing it and my movement to do shoons with your black friends, okay? Uh it's pretty much everywhere it's pretty much everywhere and and
1: i would say i I agree with you sam but there's a there's a there's a a very keen difference okay there is the right the righteous use of these plants and then there's the exploitative use of these plants and the exploitative use of these plants will always lead to ruin right i mean personally i don't smoke cannabis straight up i don't i don't just smoke it by itself i smoke it with tobacco because i find that if i smoke cannabis just by itself i get spun out i get faded i I can't like think properly start doing gay shit yeah i start doing gay shit you know what, weird what, you, you what strain
0: are you smoking sam <laughs> so, so, that sounds real personal sam no
2: <laughs> i don't smoke weed johnny so okay. shut up okay okay so i Go roll on. it with
1: tobacco and this is something that uh i just instinctively did but amos told me that this is something that balances the feminine energy in cannabis and, and i think you know, feminine energy is right for some people. Maybe you're like a super aggro dude and you need, you know, uh, that feminine energy to kind of balance you out. I think a lot of what we see with the soy boy thing is people who are not outwardly masculine, who smoke weed, they get feminized by the sort of consciousness shift that happens. They don't have some sort of like masculine outlet to, uh, to express that, that side of themselves. So for me, yes, tobacco and cannabis sort of mitigate that. I'm also a martial artist so that I don't know makes me not a soy boy I guess but uh but either way There's some
3: soy boy martial artists out there I guarantee there you are. but
1: there are
3: Listen there's something going on with weed I think uh we all have this view of marijuana as our dad's weed or our grandpa's weed and it's not and they there are they are fucking around with it in the labs man and they are weaponizing it and I'm sorry I mean, you, you smoke a lot of weed. You're, you're a pretty balanced dude. Like, I'll be honest with you. You're a balanced dude.
0: Uh, I know people that can't handle it. There's
3: a lot of people I know that smoke a lot of weed, and they are bipolar, bro. And you got to—I have to approach them in ways that I can't—you I, just got—like, you're almost like walking up on a lion. You're Same like, hey, lying, buddy, because oh. you just don't know who you're catching at that moment. I mean, we're I don't being, know if you saw the new
0: law. Like, they're not allowed to judge you no more. Your job isn't allowed to tell you you can't smoke weed now. Which, I, I, which is really? kind of crazy because, I mean, to okay. me, at the end of the day, it's kind of, I don't want people high at their job.
3: Well, it, it all depends on what the job is, right, and if they're high on the job. Like, I think we're, like, we're getting really too loose with a lot of it
1: shit. Depends like, depends on the person. It depends on the person. I used to be a a full-time Amazon driver. I smoked five blunts a shift, eight-hour shift, okay? I was rocking and racing. If every Amazon driver was like me, then they would probably pay them in weed. But not everybody's like me, okay? I think that there's responsible use. And I think there's this sort of like perverse use of these sacred plants. And, and I, I agree with you, Sam, as much as it might sound like I'm trying to make a case for the liberal use of, of drugs, I don't believe. it. I think they should be legalized, and government shouldn't be involved. For sure. But, but I think that we, as human beings, should know that these are specific plants for specific purposes. I for agree, man. Ailments, and, and when people don't use them properly, yeah, they will, they will create new ailments in them, in their mind, their soul, even. So uh, I I totally yeah. agree that man. I
0: kind of think the new kids are looking at looking at it like medicine. Like, really looking at it like medicine. Like, we smoked it because it was, like... It was taboo. It was taboo, forbidden cool. to do it. Now the other kid's literally like, oh, my dad goes to the dispensary and smokes his weed. Like, it's medicine. Because that's what you call well, it. You once tell, you, you tell make kid, it
3: once you make it not taboo, it doesn't have the allure that, that it would. I mean, they even say kids are having less sex now because it's more acceptable. They're doing less drugs. Well, they're probably not talking about all the prescription medication they're banging out. But it's like... The, the, we're getting a little too loose on things, and this is coming from a guy who's like an outlaw, crazy late night. I I like going late night in the comedy store and talk about weird shit. I don't think that should be the whole night. I just I just don't like. There's too much. There's too much outlaw shit being done in the mainstream right now that I think fucks up the balance of everything right like a, a big thing i am really upset about is i go to places of, empl- of of businesses and the employees are all on their phone constantly and it's like i get it as a guy who's addicted to his phone but you're at work man get off your phone i maybe i'm just yelling get off my lawn but it, it's just like hey dude what's going on dude hey can can you? Oh shit! Sure, sorry, let me.
2: We'll go to the Apple Store because they use their yeah. phones to do everything at the Apple Store. You'd yeah, but you it.
3: get that—that's
2: part of their no, job, Johnny. No, but I'm starting to—I'm starting to feel like you. The other day, I went to the fucking
0: restaurant. Didn't get greeted by the host. She didn't say, "Hey, welcome here." I We're was, missing I was, these like, little
2: things. I felt like things. an old man, getting that mad be, that I didn't get. Maybe racism. Uh, huh? That could you could have had. Yeah, some racism I mean, she
3: could have been like, "Oh, he's a Mexican. He ain't tipping. <laughs> he ain't tipping. The
2: host he ain't never tip. gets none he of my tips. money. You no, tip, but I'm right? saying course, she's racist. She, she's like thinking he's not going to tip. That was
3: about. racist of you saying it to him. So now we have it here on the show. We're luckily a lot of the white women who listen to the show are open minded. Yeah, we have a white core, but. Uh, I think you're. I think you're on some Mark. But I, as we uh, begin to wrap up a little bit, I want to get into the uh, something I think is very important on the show, and that is what are the effects that these Ivy League schools have had on our society? Because you know Johnny is the closest thing to a nerd dork on the show, right? Like. I'm, Xavier's very smart. I'm not, but I am. I'm doing the best I can. I'm a knuckle dragger, right?
2: You call me a nerd dork, but I could. I can use a power drill. I can tell you that. You're you're a skilled lot better, than you. You're, a skilled lot better than you. you're skilled a lot better. Than than okay, you. okay. <laughs> there he is. There's the queenie guy we all love. Listen, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen. The, the, the queen who actually has man skills. Okay,
3: you're a queen with man skills. <laughs>
2: okay, <laughs> that's a gender
3: blurring. You're yeah, very we'll, in right we'll now. Stick yeah, that hammer let's get, up. Okay, ass. sorry. The unicorn of Tim Full Hat, everybody. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> but um uh the, the whole point is like these are the for the longest time we'll see if it still lasts but they are the taste makers of our society for the longest time they are positioned into very high point positions in our society in hollywood too it's like you know i was talking to a guy that i haven't talked to in a while but he was talking about he's like oh you know I forget how it was brought up, but it was like, who runs Hollywood? And he goes, you know who runs Hollywood? Trust Fund Kids. Trust Fund Kids run Hollywood.
1: Check this out, Sam. So you know David Geffen, right? Yeah. Who's shady, David, bro. Big time. David yeah. Geffen's big time shady. He just bought the Yale School of Drama. Now it's the David Geffen School oh, of yeah. Drama.
2: He loves having shit named after him. Oh, he and by the way, when hey, David Geffen
3: shows up, allegedly, people go missing. Have you heard this?
1: Oh shit! No. Sending them to Yale, bro, wouldn't be the first time a person's body ended up at Yale. Uh, there's newspaper. Archives. Remember when
3: we the first time we had Tim Dillon on? He was talking about oh, the yeah. smiley face killer, David Geffen. They think fits
0: into that whole thing. No kidding. Oh, well, well, he was yeah, he was know, there dude, around those about around the the FaceTime killer.
1: You know the the phrase yeah, the allegedly, world, yeah. You know the phrase the whole world's a stage, right? Yeah. As Shakespeare said the whole world's a stage. So Skull and Bones allegedly has Shakespeare's skull in the tomb among many other trophies. And, uh, they're kind of like Pokemon cards. Like they collect these people's skulls and then they're like, oh shoot, like look, we got this guy, we got this guy. And then they think that, that because they have the person's skull, maybe they're right. That they can take on the attributes of that person's persona their soul their life and they're very quick to take their enemies skulls to geronimo of course being one of the most you know feared native apaches to ever walk the american southwest you know they they put his skull uh, high up on the the list for uh, which ones to get but you know it's interesting because they allegedly have shakespeare's skull and the school of drama is very influential Yale School of Drama All of it in- is in- I mean in-
3: again in Hollywood
1: it's well, like a, I wish this- I wish
3: hold on I wish people would realize like how how stacked the odds are against you I mean it's really stacked now I'm not saying you can't make a living out here but to get to the very highest levels and well I've had some friends do it who aren't uh, uh, who aren't um um, um, trust fund kids, but there's a lot, a lot of like the majority. There's like that, that just weird handshake that goes on that those soft hands. And just like the, cause the the rich kids want to be theater kids. Some of them aren't good at. So they go into production and directing and, and (laughs) casting. And then they know each other from school and it's just like a good old boys network, even if it's women, but it's good old boys network. And you see it happen more and more. That same thing with like, uh, Monday Night Football, right? I mean, or Sunday Night Football. His son is the sideline reporter
2: now. Al Michaels?
0: No, uh, I don't
2: know Chris... Uh, Collinsworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah his yeah. son
0: has his family. It's like... Nepotism. I, I mean, did you forget the fucking school scandals where that full house bitch went to jail? Yeah, it's like it, it stacked that against you. <laughs> yeah. no, what's
3: her name? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, no. But you're right. That is, that is, that is some of it. It's, Even though I think that's the dumbest scandal uh, I've uh, ever heard the, in my uh, life. It's,
2: it's, it's so. Great, it's though. just it's like, wonderful. we're just going
3: to get mad at white people. It's, it's like it's she paid to have her dumb kid. T- Someone said the funniest tweet about that. Imagine being you're so dumb your parents went to jail. That's like how <laughs> dumb that girl was. And by the way, that girl found out that she was going to that her parents got busted as she was on a yacht with all the trustees. What do you think was happening oh, on that dude, yacht?
2: Oh, dude, really? I thought she would be studying. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's
3: like, dude, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Go on, Mark.
1: Well, what you're making, uh, the point about the theater students and all of this sort of old boys club, all of these secret societies are co-ed. So, yes, it goes beyond gender. But the the Yale students in particular, the alumni, have made their way throughout the uh, country in the theater scene. And they're known as the Yale Mafia, S.D. Astra or S.D. Astra, who's been on your show Zero uh, multiple times. She graduated from the Yale School of Drama and I interviewed her about that. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting, like David Geffen, that connection, they got this control over this sort of more intelligent form of entertainment, right? Really wealthy people go to the theater, not just wealthy people, but it's sort of always been seen in that respect of sort of like the higher form of entertainment. And, uh, yeah, they, they definitely have been curators of culture, as you said, and it's from this elite, you know, point of view that used to be Justified by their connection with God, and and then it became justified with their you know brilliance in science. And the church towers that once had bells in them were replaced by telescopes, and and the secret societies came in and started to worship those old gods. And and we've been alchemically processed, put through this furnace uh, to be uh, you know prepared for what I said at the beginning of this: this six days' work, where you know the secret societies have created the perfect society for God to come in and and judge, right? Like they put themselves in those places of like commerce, banking industry, because they want to be, they want to have their hands on every part of society and building it and shaping it. Right. And we are percent. the simple sheep who are left to be herded by the shepherd. And, and I think, you know, there's so many beautiful uh, concepts to think about, you know, like this isn't like a a wholesale, uh, like bad occult is bad. That whole thing. No, I think we can learn from the occult, but we have to temper it with the lessons that we've learned from great people like Christ and and others, you know, the people who come with with divine inspiration and and teach us uh, many great things. And it's not just Christ. I mean, the Native Americans had their own prophets, people in South America. And, you know, there's, it's what's interesting. There's I think sort of everywhere secrecy. has their own oh, Christ.
3: I think that's just this place we live in and that there's mm. there's just super like there's multiple levels to this shit. I mean, we've had people come on, talk about the four worlds and. There's multiple deities, and if we're all like, if we're all trying to ascend, I, 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 and I'm gonna lose some people. I, I, I am fine with whatever you view, but there are people out there that think our job is to learn from karma here, to ascend to higher levels, to possibly become part of God, and all that stuff. That there might be multiple deities out there and entities out there. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the answer to it. I just like to hear about it, and then I just go what my gut is, and my gut is that you're here to learn lessons of the universe and connect with others so you can become part of the universe and Christ consciousness and all that stuff. So I think it's super interesting. And, I you know, the, these, these Rhodes Scholars, all these groups, these are just organizations that brainwash these young children who are connected to continue on the movement of the elites who are in no hurry... They will take their time to get their mission done. So it may not happen in their lifetime, but they want it to happen. So they take this slow incremental. It's like I said before, imagine if someone came to your house and every day they just switch one little thing, one little thing, one little thing. They don't do it all the time, but tiny little things, tiny little things. After a long time,
0: everything's different than you remember. It's their fucking house now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's how they do. It. What is this? What is that, Mark?
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> bad timing. Yeah. So, you're you're making great points, and this is just to sum it all up. Like Skull and Bones sort of fits into this web that was cast in New Haven, you know, the New Heaven, so to speak. And these are Hell's angels fulfilling God's will by doing devilish deeds, and they invaded all of these sort of political groups like the Council on Foreign Relations, Bohemian Grove Club, which all of them, you know, like I said earlier, they're just warring factions of secret societies, and they sort of congregate at these meetings. Some of them are more, you know, swaying on one side than others, but the Skull and Bones is unique that they've kind of made their way into a lot of these, Uh, and as we've said many times, they are deeply connected to the opium trade, the drug trade, uh, Marxism as well, and sort of the designers of this official narrative concept of like, well, uh, you know, people say this happened, but actually the official narrative says this happened, right? You see this really uh, born in the JFK assassination and the term of the conspiracy theorists. Many of the people on the Warren Commission were uh, bonesmen, in fact. I love so.
3: that term, in- inseminators of Marxism. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for a guy well, who has
3: a pregnancy fetish, that's a pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they
1: inseminated Marxism <laughs> in the U.S. education system, and and the founders, um, these two guys, George William Russell and uh, or William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taff. I don't know where the George came from. Um, they went to the University of Berlin, where men like Albert Einstein, Hegel, uh, Marx, Karl Marx himself we're all a part of this school. So they took a what's lot of the the university of Berlin. Yes, Germany. dude. There's and, been uh, a
3: lot of people who went to that school. Well, and,
1: and what's interesting university is this, of Berlin, this
3: Berlin. Is that what's called? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The university of Berlin and the, the Illuminati, which sort of splintered with uh, the alpha, uh, sorry, the Adam Weishaupt guy, you know, he sort of started this Illuminati thing and, very true that he started Illuminati they have all sorts of different offshoots. And a lot of the people that were involved in that movement were a part of the University of Berlin. And they were thinking about ways to, you know, create the perfect society, create the perfect government, create the the uh, the basically the perfect scenario for the elite to rule. And uh, we see that with this federalism, this idea that the state is God or the state is above God or you know, so on and so forth. So, yeah, And then also his connections to um, the opium trade general, William Huntington Russell, who started the Connecticut National Guard. He, uh, he was... Cousins with this guy who was trading opium in China, the most important American trading house in China. So, as well as, you know, a couple other people, Hiram Bingham, another opium trader whose son uh, made a lot of archaeological discoveries in Machu Picchu. And again, this goes back to what I was saying about the uh, founding fathers, where they were involved in taking this new Atlantis and all the old world things that we hear about on shows like ancient aliens, all these marvels of South America and North America, they were spiriting away the evidence that would have shown a political reason for them to not be, you know, taking over this country. They wanted the native Americans to have no political uh, argument, you know, in the eyes of anybody. So in order to do that, they needed to, you know, hide away some of the more advanced and, complex acts complex aspects of their culture and uh and it was systematic you know we see that with the smithsonian institute which was created by members of the order of the cincinnatus so or cincinnati so you know what is the smithsonian most famous for now taking all these giant skeletons and hiding them in the in their basement and if if they really are Nephilim, as some conspiracy theorists like to say, well, wouldn't that fit perfectly into this ideology that I've laid out today here where these people believe they're they're recreating scenes from the Bible. They're the, the chosen people exiling, you know, the fallen angels from the the Garden of Eden and, and making it right with God.
3: Yeah, I just think that they're
1: just these all the elites, they've made
3: deals and some of them are just trying to be a part of it to to at first they just want the access to the power and the money and then they start getting deeper and deeper and then they just start buying in and playing and be a part of the shit. And they're just they get so old that they just get addicted to it. And now they're pushing narratives that aren't good for humanity. But they're there. And if you don't see it, it's so interesting to watch these older Hollywood progressives just be lost. On what's going on in the world. and There is there is something about now nobody gets all the same news. Which kind of fits into their narrative. Divine Conquer. But I do feel like people are waking up more and more. And that eventually it does reach them. Mark. Great episode. Thank you so much buddy. Great episode. All the darkness. All these, uh, these Ivy League motherfuckers. I don't trust them as far as I can kick them. And uh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't follow anybody. You should follow your heart, do your own research. And I'm just like, you know, when it comes to the news, social media, whatever, turn it off eventually. All that goes away. I've stopped watching news. I'm barely, I mean, I took t- uh, Twitter off my phone.
0: How do you find out about anything now, then? Because I do give myself, like, the first hour of the day is a little bit break, uh, breaking points. No, I think you should not
3: do it for the first hour and get close to God for your first hour. Do your meditation, your daily all. Then you jump on it for an hour. But you shouldn't open with going on social media. That's the wrong way to start your day. I
2: Keep agree. it simple, right? Yeah. Pray, work Cause out. Because you can't control what you're going to come across, you know? Yeah, and half the time true. you on social media, it's going to be something that... Makes,
3: sometimes you jump on you just want oh what I miss where's all my DMs are then, these hot chicks then DMing then, but me but the first
2: thing you see though is something that pisses you off and then you're that's then your, your energy. yeah
3: get down get on your knees pray make your list drink your coffee make your 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 gratitude list then your goals for the day if you can work out in that hour work out then jump in the cesspool
0: yeah because it does ruin your day sometimes right you're right no it don't does. wait
3: to wait like I gotta tell Dana every. I'm not talking business for the first hour. Shut up. I'm going to talk to God. That's it. I don't want to hear you and what you can't stand about me, okay? <laughs> Take an hour off. Go for a, do a lap or something. So that's where we're at. Uh, thank you, Mark. One more time, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, com. That's my main podcast. You can listen to it wherever you're listening to Tinfoil Hat. You can find us on Rockfin, of course. I put all my episodes out there early. I also put them out early on Patreon if you want to support me. And I do several other shows, one with my friend Michael Wan called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. Another show called Esoteric America, which is really interesting considering everything we talked about today because we invite other researchers from all over the country to come on and tell us about where they live. And, uh, and yeah, and then Illuminati confirm, which can be found on the, my family thinks I'm crazy podcast. So I'm doing a lot and all this, uh, skull and bones research is going to be kind of put into a new project, sort of an audio documentary, uh, video documentary that I'm working on. So, uh, yeah, just uh, follow My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, and you'll be up to date on what comes next of all this research I've been doing. Like I said, it's uh, sort of 10 years culminating, and uh, Amos, uh, he, he screams Geronimo's name in front of the tomb, and uh, that's kind of what I've done here with the podcast is... is brought that energy into uh the light of day for other people to see the crimes that have taken place you know because we we need to honor the uh the original ancestors of this land uh, at the very least uh if we're not going to give them their land back
3: (laughs) all right brother i appreciate you great job you're the best mark i love you and uh thanks for
1: coming on thank you it's always uh a pleasure talking to you. This is like our 30-something time doing a podcast together, Sam. So I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here on uh, Tinfoil Hat. I didn't take it lightly. I prepared uh, a couple days for this. and uh, You did yeah. great, anyway, buddy. Didn't, didn't get, get you yelled, so yelled at you. this time either.
2: Good I job, did, Mark. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. No, A lot of the pressure is off and up for next time now.
3: <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Take
2: care. You're the best. See you, Mark. Take it easy, brother. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye. Bye, buddy. I'm Gene. Thank
1: you, guys.
2: Bro.
3: Bye. All right. So, uh, thank you, Mark, again for doing the show, guys. Uh, real quick, go to SamTriplee.com. Check it out. My dates. I mean, uh, I have Comedy Chaos is about to drop. We're gonna do some. Inc- I got a lineup Ooh. of murders. Grab your tickets because it's gonna sell out. Uh, Samtripley.com. Go to the front page. Uh, you can get all my dates there. But go down uh premium content this is how this is how i'm allowed to do seven shows for you guys is through the premium content i know you know we're banging out great content i i do six shows a week on on rockfin this guy uh, how many do you put on rockfin
0: uh, well we do three a week but we don't smoke the same goes on there
3: goes on there and then johnny do you do any premium content on there no it just okay it up there though all right, and then Johnny, we got the first look at Broken Sim. That's Yeah, that,
2: it's a long it's a longer version too. It's not just the first look. It's actually three I mean, hours, it has, it, Johnny lies to me every time. And it had about a I mean the last episode we put up it's got about thirty minutes of extra content in the uh, Rockfin version. If you want Okay,
3: that. so go go rockfin.com, put in Tim Fall Hat, Zero, Conspiracy Social Club.
2: Broken Simulation.
3: Ten dollars. Ten dollars make you holler. Okay, then uh if you go to I also have a Patreon for my Cash Daddy's podcast. And it's doing well, dude. Go down. Uh, I've had people trying to get on it, trying to. uh, Okay, for twenty bucks, you get daily updates from Howie Dewey, who is on fire. Twenty bucks a month, daily updates. You will pay back if if everything works out, and it's it's markets. It can go either way, but everything works out, you'll make your money back instantly. Okay, twenty dollars. It's the cheapest of that out there. Also, just know for $1,000, Johnny and I will watch you make love, okay? Tim Fouad t-shirts. New it's t- not just
2: about that. By the way, we're giving tips. Tips. That's the whole I idea. I have two
3: kids. I know what I'm doing. At once.
2: At once? At once. Yeah, That's
3: how hard I rocked it. Join <laughs> me. Okay, so we have um we have a new t-shirt out. The Lizard People are coming. That's so good. That's a great podcast. That's a great one. In the one.
2: style of Paul Revere, if it you're just, listening at home. Yeah.
3: yeah, the style of Paul Re- 20 bucks. And then uh, a couple of my favorites are the uh, All My Heroes of Shadow Band. That's a quality, quality shirt available in white and black. And then the new ones, uh, Spooky Action's available. We had to take down the one. I'll, I'll get a better version up soon. Uh, so t uh, my cameos, bro, I've been killing this cameo shit. So Johnny, somebody hit me up and they're like, Hey dude, I had this cameo with him and he didn't show up. I sent you the screenshot of the time I was on cameo. I was there. If you're that person, okay, hit me up and the DMS will make it happen. But just know I was waiting for you. That's how I roll. Okay,
0: look at me yelling and screaming. Yeah, if you want it without a shirt, I think these are when he's at the hotel. So get him on the road. Yeah,
2: get me on the road, bro. <laughs> or just ask for it. He'll take a shirt. I'll off. take my shirt yeah. off, yeah, bro. Yeah. I'm not working out all the time for nothing. He's committed. Even though these titties won't look go at that. away. Highly responsive. Hey, You're any highly plastic responsive.
3: surgeons out there? A big fan of this show. Want to give me some titty work? Here, go up. Uh Go up. It's not just Xavier getting dental work. I'd like to have some work done too.
2: Yeah, dude, I feel like XG gets more out of this podcast than anybody than <laughs> anybody else. <laughs> That's a lie.
3: Just because he's the good looking young guy, Johnny's fair. young too.
2: Shut up. <laughs> you, have no, you have no idea what my inbox is. Oh, oh you know, damn, oh, no, Johnny! They be asking for
0: Johnny. They were like, yeah, "Yo, where's everybody
3: asked for Johnny." I just created a uh, internet monster. Everybody <laughs> buy gold and silver. We're gonna. I'm going to be putting up a bunch of um, uh, affiliates that I really want you guys to get into. We're gonna talk to the rancher about doing a deal with him. Gold and silver. Buy your gold and silver now. And I'm gonna buy a big chunk. So we have a bunch of. Um, you know, we got our telegrams, we got zero and only conspiracies, but if you go on the Nuke social, which is a deep platform, it's uh, my social media. If you sign up for that, you can go on telegram and discord and you just do it through here. So you never have to worry about losing your, your, uh, your cup. You're good to go. Nuke social, go down. Anything else? And then we got all the free audio for you. You listen, people go, why do you do so many shows? Do you expect everyone to listen to all of them? I don't expect you to listen to all of them. But what I really want is if you guys are in a need for some entertainment and you've burnt through everything, that you always know that Sam Tripoli has about five more shows for you to listen to. Okay? So uh, you can listen to all this, all this audio for free. Tim Fall Hat, which is like, hey, dude, after over like six years almost, we're, we're in the top 100. Still. Still. That's so hard. People don't realize how hard that is. It is a very few group bunch of people, and it's all because of you guys who listen. Broken Sim is getting up there. We just dropped a real fun one. Even when it's – I mean, I, I'm constantly trying to find – I got some weird, crazy, crazy stories for, for uh, this week, but – Broken Sim just dropped. Cash Daddy's is fire. Uh, it's a really great financial web uh, podcast that really helps you during these crazy times. We just did a new Punch Drunk. Union the Unwanted is probably the most important conversation on the internet. And we're doing one with those today. And then I'm putting out old episodes of two of my premium content shows, which is um, uh, Conspiracy Social Club and Zero. Putting that out. I have a 24-hour radio station. You can listen to it anytime, man. And go down real quick. All my specials and all my videos are there, so check it out. Everything, Johnny. We gotta get him some more of the uh, the broken Sims. Have passed down the line, please. And then uh, punch drugs, guys. Anything else you want? Uh, to Push anything? Got anything push?
0: And we don't smoke the same. We just had a midget to let us let him call him midget, so it was really fun for oh, us. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was a blast. We were dying. <laughs> that's great, bro. Congratulations. <laughs> so go over there. Yeah, so go over a, there and uh, enjoy. Enjoy me. Enjoy me. Enjoy myself. God, I just got midget. Like, <laughs> you, you fucking midget. You finally did, Johnny. It. You finally <laughs> did. You call home and tell your family? Oh, uh, dude, yeah, it was a big <laughs> deal for us. <laughs> we don't yeah. smoke the same. <laughs> it's because
3: we want a Hasbun,
2: but we call can't call have Hasbalan We can't afford husband. That might
3: be the funniest thing I've ever heard
2: in my life, dude. Hasbalan is, he's hilarious. Yeah, we tried. That to, guy's so yeah, fun. Yeah, We Who? try to get that. Hezbollah? That guy, do you know that kid, that little short guy that hangs out with Khabib? Oh, yeah. You know, he was like. He was on your show? No, no, he's been trying to get we, him. We, so, we're trying to get him, and since we can't,
0: we got the got closest the thing. thing. Yeah, the closest thing to him. Did you, did you him. tell
3: the guy that? Did yeah. You go, hey, man, we can't get this one midget, so you're the other midget we got. <laughs> That's literally what, what we the, told him. <laughs> we fill in the blanks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're like the guy that hangs out with uh, you know uh, like Chris D'Elia just kind of getting his excess you know You this, this midget's just getting all the uh, heat respect, from all the leftover respect, heat look at uh, uh, we'll that uh, anything for you Johnny? Uh, no the Broken Sim uh, just dropped today so check it out it's a good one
3: check it out alright
2: uh, that's it guys
3: thank you so much for tuning in we love you very much we will talk to you soon take care bye We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron.
2: This is only the beginning.
1: you just blew my mind. Tim foil foil hacking.